we have decided that this is the year of the family and it's reshaping some things and some of the ways that we do things here at Freedom. Uh, family is massively important. So we're reaching families. We understand individuality of families. We're empowering families. We spent the last two months working hard empowering families. Uh, today, we're embracing everyone as a part of the Freedom Family, uh, the Freedom Fellowship Family. Uh, look around at your family. Anybody know that you're sitting with family today? Did you know that? What? That's not my family. Yes, it is. That's your family, all right? Look at this guy. I'm your family. That's right. And, and some of that we, ha we have to work at uh, because... Some of you have been ostracized. You've been wounded uh, from family. And so when I say family, it just brings up hurt. Does that make sense? It's like, yeah, dad left. I don't even know who he is. Or, you know, you, you remember things that bring pain. So, so you understand, I think that's true also in the family of God. Because there have been times when the family of God has felt pain and difficulty. Uh, during this month, we want to talk about the family of God, and we're going to continue to look at Revelation 7 and 9, uh, about that great multitude, no one could count, from every nation, every tribe. I love this. Uh, every nation, every tribe, every people, and every language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. Uh, so, uh, how many have already taken some pictures? I, didn't even bring, I, I don't bring my, my phone with me into the auditorium because... I will get too many texts. And, uh, but uh, how many have a smart device with them other than, yeah, the person sitting next to you? I mean, the phone. Anybody have one of those? So go ahead. Once you, go ahead, take some pictures. Go ahead, take some pictures. Help yourself. No, get it out. Take it. Take some pictures. Go ahead. Take some pictures. Pictures of you and the people behind you. Go ahead. Do it. Go ahead. Take some selfies. And you know you're supposed to do it like this, you know. You know, you got to put your head down. Go. All right. And uh, that's good. That's good. And if you see somebody taking a picture, are you ready? Get your phones up. Get ready to take a picture. Everybody get ready to take a picture. Get your phones up. All right. Everybody behind them, if there's, if there's somebody in front of you taking a picture, photobomb them now. Photobomb them now. All right. Ready? That's, that was good. That was good. Photobomb people. All right. There you go. Isn't that nice? Um... There we go. I'm looking at the scripture in Revelation 7. Now make sure you post that stuff too. Freedom Fellowship, you can find us. And then uh, tag me. If you've read the scripture, Revelation 7 and 9, here's something you know. If you are racist, you're going to have to get over it if you're going to be in heaven. You're going to have to get over it. So I, I just don't like certain people. Well, you better get over yourself. Because I got a picture of heaven. And how many believe there's love in heaven? Anybody believe that? And unity and peace. If, if you are partisan towards someone because of the color of their skin, if you don't like, if you don't like Hispanics, that's crazy, isn't it? If you don't like black folk, Asian folk, white folk, you're going to miss out on the most spectacular family reunion Amen. in all of history. Somebody shout yes. yes. I love freedom. When I, when I say that, I, I wanna, I've, I've had to work with terms. How many know that in today's 
culture, you have to tiptoe around verbiage. How many know that? Yeah. You just got to, ah, I can't say, whoa, I almost said that. You know, it's just really odd. And, uh, but I, I think, you know, to a point, some of that is healthy. Does that make sense? You say, I'll just say what I want to say. And, okay, just hurt people. Uh, however, if I say something and it's offensive, forgive people. You understand? Uh, we, are, we are a church and we need to walk in forgiveness. So uh, I have, I've used a lot of terms trying to work this out in my life. And at one time we used the term multi-ethnic a lot. I like the word blended. Anybody like the word blended? We are a beautifully blended family. We are God's beautifully blended family. Anybody want to say that? We are God's beautifully blended family. So it's, uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about this reality today. And my purpose is to heal today. My purpose is also to perpetuate. Uh, I wanna, how many want to keep this going? But I also want you to know that any time that I come to this place in teaching that I rejoice and I look at it like, oh God, you better help me or I could really mess some stuff up right now. Does anybody understand that? I just need the leadership of the Holy Spirit, uh, specifically on a Sunday such as this. It's All Nation Sunday and I want to talk about this reality of God's beautifully blended family. I want to make this statement to you at the outset. God's purpose has always been to have a beautifully blended family. You get that? That was always his purpose. God never, ever intended Sunday to be the most segregated day of the week. Never intended that. And, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not throwing grenades at other folk. I'm not doing that. There are some people that live in a community, and that's their harvest field. Amen? And we celebrate that. But at the same time, when I say blended, how many know there's other blends as well? How many in this room today make over $200,000? Don't raise your hand because then we'll hand you an offering envelope. No, we're not going to do that. You understand. There are some people that ate this week on food stamps and some people couldn't decide whether Ruth, Chris, or Captain George's, you know? You see what I'm saying? How many are thankful that it doesn't matter what your economy is that you're still part of this family? Anybody thankful for that? doesn't matter what the color of your skin is, that we are all in his family and God always intended for it to be a beautifully blended family. I'm going to work on this. I'm, uh, I, was, I was at Iglesia de Dios Ebenezer yesterday. Uh, I spoke to the men's group last night. We had a wonderful gathering. Uh, if you recall... Uh, we planted, uh, we released 130 members from this church in uh, 2001 and planted Ebenezer, uh, which is now the largest Hispanic community in Tidewater. Now, one of the cool things about that is uh, I was talking to Pastor Josue, and they now have English-speaking services over there. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> yes. If I had a microphone, I would drop it. That is so cool. Take that. So we're, we had a wonderful time last night. I spoke both Spanish words that I know, and uh, <laughs> Pastor Josue helped me. 
And uh, even then, this word had already been settled in my heart. I was preaching a different word last night. But I, I want to talk about this. I want to I continue to, to deal with this. Will you help me? Will you open your heart to this? Because if we are to continue to reach the people that God has called us to reach, we need to be healthy. So uh, some, just, just a few simple points I'm going to share. One is this. We're still working on unity. We're still working on it. Because with all the celebration right now, some of you might say, oh, we got this. Nope. How many know we're still working on it? We would like to say, no, we, we have it here. It's all perfect in freedom. I want you to know that we're still working on it. And God's still working on it. We have not totally received all the glorification that God wants to give to us. He wants to do more. I, I'm going to take you to the book of Romans. And I'm going to preach in this point all the way through the book of Romans. Okay, so uh, you're going to say, this is going to be a long point. No, I, I don't anticipate it that way. Uh, but I'll begin towards the end of it in Romans 15. Look at, this, look at this prayer. How many know who wrote Romans? Paul. Paul, that's right. Paul, the apostle known as Paul. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the Father Glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you. You should read that with me. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. How should, we should accept one another. How? As Christ has accepted you. That... That's thick, right? How many would agree with me that Jesus took you just the way you were? Anybody believe that? Now, I had to clean some stuff up. No, no. You had to put your faith in the cross of Jesus. Now, now get this, and I'm, I'm going to come to this. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus. We are saved by a good work. What is the good work that we're saved by? The cross. That's right, the work of Jesus. We are saved by the one good work, the sacrificial work of Jesus. You are not good enough in your works to go to heaven. You are not. You say, well, I've been really good. I'm nice to people. You are not nice enough. Not pretty enough. Not dressed well enough. Not sinless enough. Jesus accepted you Sinner. Go ahead, look at somebody. Call him a sinner. Go ahead. You sinner. Okay. All right. He accepted all you sinners. Then why is it that some people aren't good enough for us? Right? So how many have ever read Romans? Anybody ever read Romans? Uh, I don't know how I can do this. Uh, anybody got a good beard? Anybody got a good beard? Anybody got a beard this morning? Come here, beard. Thank God. All right. Decorate you up. Okay. So, come on. I'm going to praise Jesus. Nice shirt. Where'd you get that? She brought it for you. From, yeah. Okay, I got my talit here. All right. Anybody have a talit? It's just mine. Talit means little tent. That's what it means. Okay. It's pretty. Okay. 
Let's see, just put that over your head like that. Cover that. Now, put your head up in the air. There you go. There we go. There you go. Doesn't he look good? Look at that. She's taking pictures. There we go. And here we go. Got this too. Just hold on to that too. Okay, hold on to that. All right. And here, hold on to this with the other hand. Okay, there you go. All right. I want to introduce you to the Apostle Paul. Okay. Okay. And uh, I don't know if you know much about him, but really this is not the Apostle Paul. This is Saul of Tarsus. Anybody know who Saul is? Okay. Saul of Tarsus was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a Jewish rabbi, but he had joined a particular group called the Pharisees. Now, uh, there's nothing wrong with wearing a tallit. Many of you probably have a tallit, a prayer shawl. It kind of speaks of, of being in the presence of God and that sort of thing. And I, I have one. I've used it before and, and prayed. But, but there are lots of people that have them. But he wouldn't have just been wearing the tallit. Uh, he had probably already been wearing some black garments. He had been wearing a vest. Uh, and then he would have tucked it in and had some, had some belts and things to go with it. You can research all of that yourself. But... But ultimately, when you saw him coming, come on, if you saw him coming down the street, when you say, whoa, this guy needs a trip to Macy's or something, you know, or take that, take that man over to, you know, Target and buy him something to wear. Uh, now, the reason I put this rope in his hands is because Saul of Tarsus, uh, when he, uh, when we meet him, he is murderous. He's dressed holy, but he's murderous. And he despises Jesus, who, is, who, is, who has been crucified and risen already. And he despises Christians. And he loves the Torah, okay? So I brought my biggest Bible to represent the Torah, all right? He loves the Torah. He loves the rabbinical law. He loves all of the belief systems of it. He believes in circumcision, uh, he believes that you only eat kosher food. Uh, he heavily believes in Sabbath law. In fact, you've you've already a, a good Saul of Tarsus would not have waited this long to pray right now. Okay, I don't know why. I mean, the the prayer cloth constantly. I mean, you walk a few steps, you stop and pray. You walk a little bit further and stop and pray. Right, right. See, and also these people out here, they're all we're suspicious of all of them uh, because. We don't know what they're having for lunch today. We're not sure. And, and we wonder what they did yesterday on the Sabbath because uh, you should not walk very far at all on the Sabbath. Uh, just, just you know, you know, a few hundred feet max, you know, just, just a little ways. Uh, you got to be cautious about Sabbath law because if you break Sabbath law, he will kill you. Okay. And if you believe in Jesus, where we meet Saul is he is holding everybody's coats so they can stone Stephen to death. He believes in stoning because he's Saul. He's a religious man. He believes in the Torah. He believes in it. And uh, however, Saul one day, uh, he also, this rope, this, this rope is so that he can tie up Christians, some of you, and lead you away to be murdered. Saul 
was con contributed to the murder of many, many, many Christians. So uh, this, however, is not the guy that wrote uh, the book of Romans, the letter to the church of Romans. The guy that wrote the, the letter to the book of, to, to the Romans had been on a ride to Damascus one day, and on the road to Damascus, a bright light shone in his face. Okay, don't have that. All right, so. And, and he fell to his knees, and his eyes were blind. Close your eyes. And the Lord Jesus, excuse me, got it. There we go. The Lord spoke to him and said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he realized that Jesus was alive. And Jesus spoke to him, and Saul transitioned from being a murderous man who promoted the Torah as a vehicle of death to a man who was set free by the grace of Jesus Christ. And God raised him up and raised him up, and then his eyes were opened, his blindness went away, and now he, is, he becomes uh, a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, and God sends him to the Gentiles, everybody except the Jews. He sends them to all of the Gentile nations in order to preach the, God, uh, preach the gospel, and he establishes the church uh, all around the known world. Let's give thanks, God, for Saul. Thank you, Saul. Thanks, Saul. I just, I just wanted to make sure that you knew who this guy was, all right? I want, I want to make sure that you knew who he was. Uh, it's important because if you look at the rest of the scripture, now you have a different understanding. Uh, if you want to understand context, then you need to understand scripture, okay? So, so we have the church in Rome. Paul's name is, Saul's name is now Paul. He goes to Rome. He establishes churches there. There are numerous churches in Rome, but they're called the Church of Rome. And Paul is going to have to write a letter to them. And here's why. In Acts chapter 18, verse 2, something happens. Claudius, who is the emperor, uh, decides that he doesn't want any more Jewish people in Rome. So he throws all of the Jewish people out of Rome. Christian Jews, non-Christian Jews. All of them get thrown out of Rome. Now, they're all a part of the same church. And so everybody has to leave. So imagine if we just picked one nationality right now and we said, we're sorry, but you're not going to be able to come to church anymore. Okay? So that's what Claudius did. Now, he wasn't doing it just to, to break up the church. He was doing it because of his hatred towards the Jews. So all of the Jews leave. Five years later, Claudius dies. And his edict is canceled, and all the Jews come back to Rome. Now, here's the problem. It's important that you understand this, all right? Uh, that when the Jews come back to Rome, church is not being held the same way it was while they were there. Because while they were there in the church... There were still a lot of Jewish nuances, Jewish traditions that were very important to them, such as, uh, I'm just, you know, if, if you don't understand everything I'm talking about, ask your mama, okay? Uh, such as circumcision was very important. Uh, eating kosher food was very important. 
they still practice certain Sabbath law. And so that Jewish tradition was heavily a part of many of the churches. So that they come back and they, they have a picnic one afternoon uh, on Sunday and they show up out at Bayville Farms Park and somebody's serving hot dogs and barbecue. I'm talking Carolina pork barbecue. <laughs> Putting a little coleslaw on the top of it, which is perfectly fine, but this is not kosher. What? Hey, 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 hey. We're going to have a picnic. But somebody needs to get the barbecue off the menu. Uh, anybody hear what I'm saying? And then they find out that there are now converts. They're, they have won people into the kingdom of God, and they did not require surgery. So there is... Now, now for some of you, you're saying, well, I don't understand. That's just silly. No, no. You know, how many know some of our traditions can be silly? Anybody know that? The way, I mean, if there were, if there, I, re, I recall years ago, we had church pews. Anybody remember pews? Okay. Ain't nothing wrong with pews. Sometimes I miss my pews. You know why pews were created? You know why? I learned this once when I went to Williamsburg for a heating system. It was a heating system. Did you know that? No. No, they, put, they would put these high ends on the end of benches and make them short so people could sit together and they, could, they would have a heat. That's why pews were there. But then you go into church, oh, this church don't have any pews. Stained glass is nice, isn't it? We need stained glass. What about ties? You know, how many believe it's okay to wear a tie? Does anybody remember when people stopped wearing ties to church? Do you remember the first time this pastor walked in the door and I didn't have a tie or a jacket? I remember, I remember people, what's up with Pastor Rick? He's not wearing a tie. What's up? You can't preach without a tie. Surprise! So Paul writes this letter in Romans. Romans is a letter, and it, it, from front to back, He's dealing with what, is going to, what it's going to take to bring unity to a racially divided church. So in a culture like ours, that even after all these years should have worked things out. Amen? The church, our culture, needs to hear from heaven lest we become a shadow rather than a light to this broken world. Because you can't be divided in the church house and somehow expect things to happen outside of the house. Amen. How is it that we believe that God saved us all and we're all one in Jesus, but soon as we walk out the door, we have to explain why Sunday is the most segregated day of the week. So Paul starts working things out all the way back in Romans 1. He explains that our righteousness is by faith in Jesus. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written. Anybody read this before? The righteous or the just, the righteous will live by faith. 
So my righteousness is by my faith in Jesus. Right? Why am I righteous? Pastor, you are so righteous. I just love the way you... No, I am righteous by faith in Jesus. Anybody believe in Jesus? Who believes in Jesus? How many have faith in Jesus? Come on, raise your hand, righteous people. And then he continues by explaining the story to the Gentiles. Uh, the story of the Gentiles explaining the wickedness of the Gentiles in verse 18. He says, regarding the Gentiles... The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. So, you know, the, the Gentiles, they didn't have a, a really a great background like the Jewish people did. And, and, and Paul says, just so you know, hey guys, no matter where you're from, whether you're Jewish or whether you're non-Jew, just so you understand this, God has made who he is plain. How many believe there is God? How many believe God is real? Anybody believe God is real? Did you walk here today? Did the rain come down? Really, the rain comes down? Isn't that beautiful? I mean, did you control the rain? No, you didn't control the rain, right? But it came down. How many know the sun's coming up? Anybody believe that? How many ever walked to the ocean and said, how does this water stay in this big bowl? How does it stay there? Why doesn't it just... What's going on? Why? How is it? How is it that things continue? How? How does this? How does this big rock called the sun hang over here, and the moon hangs over here, and the earth hangs over here, and they're in perfect rotation? And if they get just a little bit out, something's going to burn up, and it just hangs there. I don't believe in God. It just happened that way. And he talked about their idolatry in verse twenty-one. He talks about the Gentiles. They knew God, but they didn't glorify him as God. They didn't give thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. And although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. That's idolatry. How many know there's a lot of idolatry in the world, okay? And that developed out of this. Yeah, we knew God, but uh, we just, you know, we got too smart for ourselves. We decided that we would worship uh, birds. We decided that we would worship trees, okay? Uh, and, and then eventually, initially it happens that they are given over to their lust. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural relations for the unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. I'm not going to preach a lot about that, but did anybody just read what I just read? Okay, just asking. This was not a new story to the Gentiles. They were aware of the fact that they, like every other nation was desperately in need of God. What are we going to do about our brokenness? What are we going to do about our sin? Now, God says, Paul writes something else about this as he begins to talk to the Jews. In Romans uh, uh, 2.11, he says, God does not show favoritism. Say that. God does not show favoritism. All right? Now, you've probably heard me say this before. I am one of four sons, and I am my mother's favorite. There's no question about that in my mind. No question. Uh, my brothers don't even argue with me about it. But, uh, I mean, in reality, what I know is my mama would give her life for any of her children. Does that make sense? Uh, how many feel like you're God's favorite sometime? Anybody believe that? 
Here, but, but the thing is, is that God doesn't show favoritism. You can say, well, you know, I come from a particular background. Well, God doesn't, you're not his favorite. Do you understand that? God loves us all the same. So the big argument uh, now is that the Jews believe that they are God's favorite. And one of the suggestions has to do with circumcision. Because since Abraham began, they had circumcised every male Jewish child. And those who were converted to Judaism were also circumcised. So listen to Paul's explanation in Romans 2.28. He says, a man is not a Jew if he is only one outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a man is a Jew if he is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the Spirit, not by the written codes. Such a man's praise is not from men, but from God. Well, what, is, what is he saying? Is he's saying that your heart is the true sign of covenant. How many took one of my candles home? Anybody had one of my candles to take them home? Anybody ever light one? I mean, light it on occasion. Try it. But, but here's the deal. If you just light candles and pray, I mean, that's good. I love to light candles. But just because you light a candle doesn't mean the Holy Spirit is there. I lit a candle. He must be there. No, no. It, it's symbolic, just like circumcision was. They began to believe that just because they had committed certain acts that they were favored by God. Listen, just because you're married doesn't mean you're favored. When you hate and destroy one another, just because you're baptized doesn't mean you're favored. When you still haven't died to your flesh, just because you're a church member doesn't mean you're favored. When you're yet to embrace the mission of the kingdom of God to reach the broken for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's about your heart. God doesn't just want to change your clothes or change your hair or make you all wear a tallit. He doesn't want that. He wants to change your heart. And then Paul settles it for all the racially divided church. And he understands this because he was there. He was one of those. He said the righteousness from God comes from faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference. How many have read this? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Come on, say it. We have all sinned. Say it. We have all sinned. Anybody got parents? How many have parents? How many have parents and they're constantly trying to get you to do things differently? Anybody? Come on, you're making a mistake right now. You know why they're telling you that? Because they made the mistake themselves. Don't you, be, don't you be running around after those girls like that. Don't you be doing that. That's not who you want to be with. That's not. And why are you telling me that? Because I messed up like that. Can I get an amen from some parents right now? We don't want to tell you about that. We want to tell you what to do. We don't want to tell the story, but I'm here to tell you the story right now. It's because they went to the university of hard knocks. Come on, we blew it. We messed up, and we want to help you preach, Pastor Rick. We all have sin. Somebody shout it. We all have sin. 
We all need Jesus. Come on, white people need Jesus. Black people need Jesus. Latino people need Jesus. Island people need Jesus. Puerto Ricans need Jesus. Jamaicans need Jesus. Africans need Jesus. Rich people need Jesus. Poor people need Jesus. Middle class people need Jesus. None of us were saved by our nationality, by keeping Sabbath law or eating kosher food. We were saved by grace through faith in Jesus. Romans 4, Paul goes on, he says, Therefore the promise comes by faith, so that it may not be so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also those who are of faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. I don't know if you get this. How many have ever read the law? Have you ever read the law and said, What is this about? I want you to understand the story of the Torah, the story of the law is all about Jesus. It's all about look at look at all the stuff you can try to do and never be holy if it was not for the Lamb of God, Jesus, who took away the sin of the world. So here we are, freedom, still working it out, still working on our unity. The reason we struggle with race is because we have not yet truly embraced grace. Should I have written that down and hung it on a slide? The reason we struggle with race is because we have not truly embraced grace. We are not all the same. We have different customs. We dress different. We have different fears. We have different pasts. We have different issues. But we are one big, beautifully blended family, red, yellow, black, and white, precious, saved by grace, not by works. Freedom, we're all here together by the grace of God. A couple things. The struggle of the blended family is real. Jesus even prays about it. In John 17, he says, My prayer is not for them alone, speaking of his disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The message of the gospel is contingent upon whether or not we have unity. Did you hear me? We're all supposed to be one. I, I love this prayer of Jesus. I love it because unity is a struggle. Typically, we got any blended families in the house. I'm talking about blended families. I mean, when we say blended families, what we're speaking of usually is two people with a past who come together with children and form a new family. They are not perfect and they have issues and they still struggle. Sometimes they struggle with their exes. You don't have to say amen. It can be perfectly quiet while I'm saying this right now. <laughs> and they struggle with authority. And they struggle with love. And they struggle with grace. And they struggle with communication. Here's, here's some truths to consider about blended families. Just because you are remarried doesn't mean your previous relationship is over. And you don't have to say amen right now. But you understand, it's changed. There are financial issues, relationship issues, comparison issues. Big thing we know as soul ties. Amen? We better get united because the enemy will use your backstory to destroy your future. Like, like when a baby is born, there's uh, the umbilical cord. It's where the child is fed. 
Sometimes you have issues and you have unforgiveness. It's, it's like a, uh, an umbilical cord that feeds brokenness into your spirit. You've got to forgive somebody or you will never be the single mama that you need to be. You've got to get it under the grace of God. In blended families, there's an initial conflict caused by low trust and high expectations. Okay? Low trust and high expectations. Here's the concept. Uh, I've already been hurt before, and I'm marrying you because you're going to be nothing like that creep I used to be married to. You didn't say it quite like that, but you might have been thinking it, all right? And my expectations are high of you, and you better not blow it, because if you do, I will compare you to. That's right. Okay? Is that, is that, you don't have to say amen. amen. And so you get married and you hug each other, but you're still like stands with a fist and dances with wolves, you know? <laughs> and don't tell me anything. That was, that was a throwback, so. These are intense feelings, and they show up in God's family. Because we're all here, and you're all at freedom, but you have old hurts, relationships in the world that were toxic, old church relationships, racial tensions in our society that haven't been resolved, and they get into the body of Christ and divide us. Come on, tough story here. I can't even see that clock. The light's kind of funny. What time is it? Oh, I got a watch. Oh, I need to. 1028. I got one minute. And I got all of that to say. Can I say this? Okay. You, you need me to say this. If I don't say anything else. Um, you, you know, I've, I've pointed out the fact that my skin is not as dark as some people. I try to fix it every summer, go outside and stay in the sun, but... <laughs> But I've told you my history. Some of you know my history because I found out that my great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather uh, came from Wales. He was on his way to church. He was 12 years old. He got hit in the head and sold as a slave onto a ship. And in northern Virginia is where he got dropped off. But when I say slave, I use that loosely because really what he was was an indentured servant. Because he grew up, after serving on ships, he grew up uh, on, a, on a farm, and he served there, but eventually he purchased his freedom and married a Scottish girl. And that's where the hawkers began in the United States. And so I say that, and part of me wants you to look at me and say, oh, pastor, you relate to our pain. And you know that... I've grown up as a white boy. Okay? I've looked. I've looked at my culture because I've seen the divide and I've seen the pain and longed as a pastor to heal people and to help people. How many know forgiveness is important? How many know it matters? And for, how many know forgiveness matters generationally? I mean, I got some grandparents that I have to forgive over what happened to my mama. Does that make sense? And I look at my own history and I say, you know, but what about my ancestors? Did they do something to hurt somebody that I love and I serve? You, you, does anybody, do I have to be just really clear? Is it a possibility that somewhere in this white boy's past that there was somebody that abused someone of color? Does that make sense? And I don't know, but look, 
could be true. And so if you have pain and you're in this church and you say, well, how can I be a person from this culture or this culture and serve at this particular church? How can I do that? I, there's only one thing I can do. I don't know the stories. But let me get down on my knees and let me ask you if there's anything in my culture that has broken you or wounded you or your family or your grandparents, please, because of the cross and the grace of Jesus, would you forgive me and forgive them? And when you struggle... Jesus, help me. And you say, Pastor Rick, you don't understand. And I don't. But I remember one day, I was an associate pastor here at the church. Some of you might remember those days. And I had myself a van full of boys. Because God had told me he was going to bless my youth group. And I went outside, and I had a Halloween carnival. And I, I said, hey, anybody want to play basketball? I don't play that well. And I had all kinds of young men that joined my basketball team from a particular community in Virginia Beach uh, that was the lowest of income. And uh, they were all young men of color. And they were beautiful. But they didn't act like the rest of my kids. They didn't. So we played basketball, and they were in my youth group, and I'd fill up my van, and I started, a, I started a basketball league with different churches, and I brought all of my young men of color, and I'd drive to another church, and there was some strange things that were going on. One of the things that happened, I remember, you know, I, I did have to drag them off of one or two Christians. But one day... On our way back, we decided to stop at a store, and I opened my van, and all my boys ran to the store. They were getting themselves some Cokes and some chips and things because we had to drive back. And I walked in, and the guy looked at me and said, you need to get all these boys out of my store. What? What are you talking about? And I, I had to make a stand against the man who, for whatever reason, had some feelings about my young men of color being in his store at that particular time. I, and I felt it. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? I, not like some of you have felt it. Can I get an amen from someone? And I wondered, God, what is this about? And God said, I want you to feel some things. Can I get an amen from somebody in the house? that understands that as the body of Christ, as a family, as God's beautiful family, we need to realize that the struggle is real for one another. And just talk about this. I will preach this. God's, and I realize God has set me up because this is a racialized culture that we live in. It's largely invisible to those who have never experienced it or been subject to the negative ramification, but it's real. And some people say, Pastor, don't preach that. And I know I'm saying this right now. There might be some people say, I ain't listening to that mess anymore. But listen, the facts are simply real. The average income of whites in America is 67000 and the average income of blacks is 39000 the average net worth of, a, of whites is 141,000. The average net worth of blacks is 11,000. An employment rate of whites in America is nearly always 66% higher than other races in our culture. I, and you say, well, what do you want me to do? 
Listen, I don't want anybody to feel shame. I don't want to feel shame. You shouldn't feel shame. But we should realize that being a blended family takes work in the body of Christ. And we should not pretend like it does not exist in our culture. What we say is despite all the brokenness, despite all of the disparity, despite all of this, we are saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. And we will love one another, help one another, stand with one another, forgive with one another. Jesus. Some people say, well, Jesus doesn't understand. Jesus was a Middle Eastern marginalized Jew living in the Roman Empire. Somebody thank God for Jesus. Let me finish. God's blended family is beautiful. Psalm 133. Oh, Jesus. Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together. It is like precious oil poured on the head running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. When we live together in unity, we experience the anointing of heaven. Anybody, anybody ever experienced anointing here? Anybody ever experienced that? And it's beautiful. Some of the most beautiful things in the world to me. One are my wife's eyes. I love her eyes. I do. When I was a boy at, in Richmondale, Ohio, and I saw her eyes before I ever held her hand, I saw her eyes, oh, wow. I'm caught with them. I told her just the other day, I was looking, I said, baby, just hold it. We were sitting at breakfast. Candle was lit. We hadn't prayed yet. I said, don't move. I just want to take a picture. She moved. And... <laughs> My children, come on, dads, my children, my grandchildren, my family. Man, have you seen my granddaughter? Have you seen Evelyn? My goodness, those eyes. The little smile, toothless grin. But when I say the most beautiful things that I've ever witnessed among them is this church right here. You are so beautiful. No. I could just stand and stare at you, but you would eventually leave. <laughs> and it's partly because God told me to build a blended community of believers that would worship the Lord in unity and in righteousness. And I was trying to figure that out. And Evelyn explained this to me. Our granddaughter explained it to me. We had a big week getting food from the food bank. You might have seen the pictures that we posted. And Avalyn is, is not quite nine months old, and she was there. Lindsay was holding Avalyn. We're standing in the food pantry and admiring all the food that had been delivered. And, and uh, I shouldn't tell the story, but here it goes. And uh, Lindsay went, ah! She had handed Avalyn to her father, Steve, and Steve was holding the baby. And, and Lindsay went, ah! Oh, no! And Avalyn had pooped all up and down her dress. And then Steve looked at himself and went, ah! and handed the baby to me. 
and he had poop on his vest. And I went, because ah! the baby was in my hand and there was poop in my hand. It was a beautiful moment. And this is what I've learned. In order to raise church, we've got to be willing to deal with each other's scubala. I don't always like what you say, I, 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 but I feel you. I feel your heart. You, you look at me sometimes and say, Pastor, what is that all over you? It's your stuff. That's what it is. We, come on, we carry each other, we wash each other, we purify one another. You might say it's ugly. I say it's some of the most beautiful stuff we do is to stand together in a broken world and deal with each other. Stand up with me. Stand up. Uh, I'm going to preach this two more times today. I don't know. I think once I get through first service, I'll be all right with two and three. Jesus, come on, let's just honor him. Everybody just honor the Lord. Would you honor him? I'm going to do two things today. First, I want to, we're going to pass communion out to you. Yeah, come here. Honey. <laughs> come here. No, don't apologize. Just let me get you a mic. Come up. You got to come up all the way to the platform. They were all equal. They all did what? 
Stop apologizing. But this is what it is supposed to be like. And I thank you and I genuinely love you all. Love you, Jennifer. Thank you so much, Pastor. I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, no. she's, got, she's got a little poop on her hand there, I think. <laughs> she was just a little girl when I moved here. She was too young to be in my youth group in 1986. Just a little baby girl. Her mama brought her. Red and Reef Phelps, her grandparents bought this land. Uh, loved Red and Reef. You don't get to take this alone. We're going to do this together. Are you ready to do this together? Open, open it all up. Open it all up. Now look, before you receive this, don't don't receive this in an unworthy manner. Father, purify our hearts. Let's say it. Father, purify our hearts. Cleanse us. See if there's anything in our hearts that is unlike you. Heal our hearts. If you have any, anything in your heart negative against someone else, in the name of Jesus, we take it all to the cross. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Just say, cleanse me, Lord, cleanse me. Now we celebrate that cleansing. Take the bread and break it into two pieces. Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And when he broke it, he then said to his disciples, he said, this is my body which was broken for you. Take and receive it. then in the same manner he took the cup <laughs> this is what unites us folks this is it this is it this is the big ticket this is the blood he said this is the blood of the new covenant that takes away the sins of the world the blood of the new covenant and he gave thanks thank you Lord Jesus for dying for us thank you for taking our punishment upon yourself thank you for paying the price we ask that you would forgive us of our sins and we walk daily in that righteousness now in Jesus' name. Amen. You are you ready? Are you clean? Anybody ready to be walk clean? Through the blood of Jesus? Receive the cup. Ah, now, they'll, be, they'll, they'll have trash bags somewhere. Hold on, hold on to the trash bags just for a moment. We pick up trash anytime. We can't do this just anytime, all right? On your way out the door, you can throw trash out or leave in your seat and I'll pick it all up myself, all right? If you're new to freedom, I'd love for you to come and join me in my office after the service. If you need prayer, I want you to come. If you're just convicted and you need God to deal with some stuff, come and stand in this altar right now and we're gonna pray with you. So go ahead, if you got some conviction, got some issues for prayer, just come, we're gonna pray with you. Come on, come on down if you need prayer, if you need special prayer, if you need healing in your life, healing in your home, your marriage, whatever, come on, all right? you're struggling I want to pray with you thank you Jesus thank you Jesus all right now father 
we thank you for this beautifully blended family that you've given us. And Father, we, I lift them up before you as an offering of praise. Let this church continually bring glory to your name. And let us be a light in a dark and broken world. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you have accomplished and what you have confirmed in this message, in the dancing, in the singing. We won't forget this day. <laughs> it's been good to be in your house. Bless your people now. Baptize them with the anointing from heaven so that we can be in unity. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. Now we're going to pray. We have people up here to pray with. And, and come and join me in my prayer time. Everybody else in this room, this is my assignment to you, okay? Open your arms. Hug as many people as you possibly can before you leave. I love you all.